0: up thank you for listening to john sarabian and mark Lahorn, musicians and beyond where we bring you the backstage info on the life lyrics and long journeys of the music industry today in studio with us we have a incredible guest with us joe Pessia. he is toward the country and the world and i would like to introduce and thank joe for coming in joe welcome to musicians and beyond
1: thanks for having me guys dude. Appreciate anytime.
2: It. Happy to have you here in the studio with us.
1: Yeah. Well, John, I mean, we've been talking about getting my ass down here for a while now. So yeah. But if-
0: so you get a lot going on. Mm-hmm. You're in numerous bands right now. You're juggling five, six different things going on. Can mm-hmm. you just tell us how you manage your time and get all these bands together and uh, everything works out for you? Uh, it's a lot of
1: juggling and there's a lot of overlap and um, you know, the, the corn pipe rock and chair years will be interesting. I'll, that's, that's when the sleep will happen too, but it's, uh, so obviously Steelheart and then, um, uh, Dark Desert Eagles with Pat and then, uh, Hurt Smile with Gary and, and Mark. And then I also run a, a school of rock and Wakefield, right? So that, that occupies a lot of time between those four things. So it's, it's great though. But like I was saying, um, when we on air, is uh, like even uh, Doctors at Eagles, I'll plug their Hampton Beach Club Casino show coming up that I can't do <laughs> because I have a, a Steelheart gig yeah. at that time. So um, sometimes there's overlap, but, I mean, obviously you've been friends with Pat forever, so it was just, you know, when he first offered me the gig, it was, I, you know, I had to be up front and say there, there is going to be overlap and there's going to be times where, you know, I can't do this.
0: Right, you can and only for,
1: be at one place at one time. Yeah, yeah. If that nut was cracked, then I'd be mowing the lawn, doing the dishes, <laughs> right? Just my wife would monopolize that uh, that dynamic first before any of the band guys got to it. Okay, right. okay. so I know who is the parents there. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Cool.
2: Joe, let me ask you. You mentioned uh, your your gig that you're giving up uh, playing in Hampton Beach uh-huh. with Doc Desert Eagles. Where will Steelheart be playing?
1: Steelheart it will be playing Wisconsin.
2: Wisconsin. Think, yeah,
1: oh. yeah. And it has won the day before, too. So, yeah, I, I, I've got my master tour up because after a while... Like,
2: it's got to become very confusing. Logistics of count on me, the road.
1: Just count me in. <laughs>
0: just
1: tune up and count
0: me in. So, Steelheart's been around for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Are you an original member?
1: No, I, I've been with them for maybe about five years. Yeah. But the, uh, how things are all tied together is uh when i was in drama gods way back 10 12 years ago with nuno and k fig and steve falazzo uh the manager of that band just happens to be really good friends with the singer of steelheart which i didn't know at the time right so years later the the singer for steelheart is looking for a guitar player and he's out in la so it's not like there's a shortage of guitar players and he went to bat for me he said no you got to get this guy joe he's you know, he's got a sunny disposition and, um, you know, he's got a lot of bad jokes. So I think you should, and I think he owns a guitar, so you should give him a buzz. All right. And that, that's how that, that's how that came about. And it's funny because, you know, even, you know, talking about like the school of rock, I I mentioned those things to the students, not in a way of, Hey, look at this, but more of, this is why you don't burn bridges. And this is why you, you know, try to make sure you leave whatever project or band or situation, leave a good impression uh, because people will remember. And you never know when that next opportunity comes up. And there's been bands in between the Drama Gods thing and the Steelheart thing. But you never know how that is all going to work out. Right. For such a big world, it's actually a small world. Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, it all worked out. And, you know, they're good guys. And, and we've gotten to do things. Or I've gotten to go to some places I hadn't gone before you know, India and, you know, Sweden and, you know, so it's, it's great. And like I said, so the, the corn pipe rocking chair years will be thoroughly enjoyable. Excellent. Later Excellent.
2: On. Cool. You know, you've talked a lot about being on the road and, and, you know, the, the sacrifice of being on the road. What, what do you think in your career has been the number one thing you've sacrificed outside of rock and roll outside of
1: music? Stopping and smelling the roses for sure. And, and family time, family time for sure. That's the trade-off. That is the trade-off. And, but, you know, what I would look at is not only, you know, because all the other musicians have to do the same thing, and, um, but also, you know, if you were an athlete, you know, especially like a baseball player, you have 162 games, you, you're, you're missing a lot. You're definitely missing a lot. But there is only a window. I mean, it's obviously shorter for an athlete, but there's only so much. I can't, I can't be 90 and say, you know what would be great? is I think I'll pick up an instrument. See if I can get in a band and go on tour.
2: Well, that's still happening for some people close to ninety, right? Well,
1: no, no, no. They, but I think they're playing already, right? <laughs> so it's like you have to you have to go for it when you can when, go yeah, for it. Yeah. You Good know, point. and and you know the other thing too is is travel. You know, it's. Um, I mean, I'm not the one flying the plane, flapping my hands, but you know what I mean. That it does take something out of you when you do a lot of traveling. So absolutely, you gotta you gotta do it while you can do it. You know. Great uh, answer. Gotcha. Gotcha. So
0: you are a musician. You play the guitar. Yeah. You play the the bass bass also. Yeah. Uh, Any
1: other instruments? Uh, I did some uh, mandolin stuff on, um, on uh, Hurt Smile stuff and some of the, uh, on the Dramacons track. But that's, I wouldn't call myself a mandolin player. It's just, you know, I remember Nuno was like, hey, you know, it'd be great. It's a mandolin. How about I get a mandolin? You you come come up with some parts. (laughs) Okay. I guess. And then it kind of, you know, so it's, it's, you know, but if I was hanging out with like, you know, proper mandolin players, I'm, I'm not hanging. Yeah. Not okay. Hanging. You just let your ear dictate where you can go with it.
0: Okay. And above being a musician, yeah. you're an instructor.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the teaching part was, you know, I had, uh, you know, like a lot of musicians, especially around here, gone to Berkeley. And, you know, when you get out, um, you, you've spent either a lot of money or you owe a lot of money. One of the two, right? And I said, you know what? There's no freaking way I am going to pay it back with something not music. Because then i I'm, that's, that's backwards. I'm sure, you know what I mean? Maybe if I was the lumber guy at Home Depot and that would have been a steady, lucrative thing. Sure. But I would still, as I'm writing out my check for my student loans, I'd be like... You know, Through a lot of way, <laughs> well, it's just like, what did I do that for? So, would all I knew the teaching thing would always be baseline foundation of what you could do, and then from there you you go and you, you start playing with people or try, you know, trying to get your own thing going. But you can use that as a as a baseline income. Yeah, it, for yeah.
0: for the teaching, do you focus on youth or pretty much any age? Uh, dentures
1: to diapers. Yeah, dentures and, to diapers. Yeah. Yeah, you, and,
2: you've mentioned School of <clears throat> Rock a couple of times up in Wakefield. How yep. did that project come about
1: um, well I've been doing this the uh, the school of rock thing for probably about uh twelve thirteen years, okay. but I was originally in the the uh the watertown Boston one, and uh it was funny because uh just kind of glue it all together of of a, a friend of mine who was the music director of the one in Hollywood telling me hey joe you know they're they're opening one in in Boston school of Rock he's telling me all about it and uh the kids laugh at this now. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. What is that? And he's like, no, trust me, you'd be perfect for it. And, and I'm like, okay, I guess. And I said, do they let you... And here was the caveat. Do they let you tour? Because some places won't, right? You, 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 you got to... Hey, I got to bail. I got to some gigs in Japan. You, you have to have that freedom or else then you've kind of suppressed what you want to do. You're still doing something you like with teaching, but it's like, you know, I'm not... I'm not ready to hand the baton over. as, okay. I'm all done now. It's you. It's it's more like no. Let's we're all doing it. We're all on the conveyor belt, and you know, there's people ahead of me. and There's people behind me. Do you know what I mean? As far as accomplishments and and uh, and the kids that you know, some of the, you know, they'll be doing great things, and some of them are already doing great. You know what I mean? So it's just when you're started, just by virtue of you know a lot of the age and anyway. So I didn't know anything about. It. I didn't have an interview. He just it. Got to give him credit. Carl Restivo, he just made a power call. And uh, next thing I know, the CEO's calling me up, hey, so you want to, okay, and that was it. That was the easiest interview <laughs> job to, to get in my life, you know. And then, and then so when they opened up the one in um, Wakefield, which is part of Jam Spot, okay. um, was the rehearsal complex, um, that's closer to home for me. And so I, I wanted to take that. And that's great, too, because because it is a rehearsal complex that you know, it, um, you know, we're kind of subleasing it through them. That uh, you know, at any given time, Peter Wolf's in there rehearsing with his band, or Roseanne Cash was in there. Um, Psychedelic Furs, you know what I mean. So it's you know, it's you're just surrounded by all these people doing it. And you know, whether it's a kid picking it up for the first time or a seasoned legend like Peter Wolf, you know what I mean. It's okay, that that works. That's
2: pretty cool. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. You shared the stage with quite a few people. Yeah, you've opened
0: up. Allison Chains. Yeah. You've opened up for Sammy Hagar, yeah. Brett Michaels, yeah. Carlos Santana, yeah. Uh, Jeff Beck, yeah.
1: Yes, yeah. Now you know it's funny about all that to go through that list. There's different bands, so with with different bands. So, oh, like cool. The, the Sammy thing was with Hertzman with Gary. Yeah. Alice in Chains things was Tantric. Um, the, the Yes and Judas Priest that was with Steelheart. So you just try to keep putting yourself in a position to. to to do stuff and, and be rubbing elbows it with the big boys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause all those guys have gone very far. Yeah. Well, you know, slouch yourself, oh, no, you know? but you know what I mean? No, but it's, so it's funny. It wasn't uh, just a one band. Hey, we got to do all this and that was it. It's, you know, it's um, you know, you want to keep it going and whatever project you're involved in, it's, it's always something that, that, you know, is, is giving you some new experiences yeah, too. It,
0: that makes me think of something. I don't know. Has music evolved a little bit? It seems that when I was in high school, people were in one band. Yeah. And now it seems everyone's going outside the box and collaborating with other big musicians mm-hmm. and joining other bands and taking everything that they can and kind of putting it all together. Does that seem.
1: Well, you accurate? I, I, think, I think part of that is is that records, people making records, it's not what it was. You know what I mean? Because there's more people, there's bigger gaps in between making. Remember, you know, when you were a kid, you know, Van Halen or ACDC, there's an, an album every year, maybe two. Oh my God, it's been two years since the last record. Now, you know, five years goes by, you don't even flinch, right? So I think, I think a lot of it has gone back to people just touring a lot you know, yeah. and with people touring and maybe not having that home base of, well, we can, we can just kind of be insulated with our own band, making records and we tour, make a record, make a tour, make a record. It's okay. We're touring and we've now, you know, we're done touring. We've gone through that cycle. We don't have any shows, you know, we got to wait, you know, so I, I'll, I'll hop on the tour with this person. And, and, you know, I don't think it, it's mercenary. It's just, it's just the, the industry's changed, you know? So I remember, um, uh you know we were talking earlier about some of the acd stuff and when flick of the switch came out and there was a gap it was two year gap after for those about to rock we're like jesus it's been two years since they did a record it's unbelievable you know like it was huge yeah two years was a long time yeah yeah one of the bands that had it going the closest to like a classic it was you know the Foo fighters they had a run that it was just you know such a great band anyway but, you know, they were always releasing new music, and you could, you know what I mean? It always seemed like they were doing something. Right, releasing right. Stuff. So, you know, I think, you know, Dave Grohl is such a classic old soul anyway. You know what I mean? He's interesting to watch. He's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Nice. No, I mean, he gets gets the crowd involved. Yeah. Well, he had a great quote. He said, uh, when they first started playing stadiums, did you hear this quote? No, I didn't. He goes, he goes uh, I'm paraphrasing, but... Um, so when we started doing stadiums, how, are we, how am I going to connect with an audience that big? And he said there were only two people I wanted to reference for that, the Pope and Freddie Mercury, right? And it's like, okay. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice you want to throw the Pope in there too. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, because obviously he's, you know, Freddie was the master. Yes, he was. For that. So, awesome. But, but the, the, one of the things I always loved about Grohl is he was, uh, even offstage, just this great rock fan. I mean, he plays with everybody. He's you know he's doing something with somebody, but he always came across as just this. It was like the the the, the really talented kid who made it. But his record collection is he just listens to everything and loves everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's great to see guys like that. If you could be on tour
2: with mm-hmm. any one musician, alive or dead, who would it be? Uh,
1: is there an opening band too, or? <laughs> a double bill? or <laughs> If you got to perform with someone, who, who would you
2: like to perform with?
1: I mean, Freddie would be definitely one of those guys. Um, I'll play triangle for Eddie Van Halen, you know, and then obviously, you know, Paul McCartney. Paul, McC- I mean, for a living guy now, it would be Paul, just because that's just, that, that catalog is just... Ridiculous. Incredible. I saw him, uh, I think it's the fourth time I've seen him, at Fenway, this this last time, and uh, when a feeling, and he... he has the isolated John vocal in there? This is a video of John singing, right? That that vocal, and then the screen splits, and it's him and John. And there wasn't a dry eye in the house. Oh, I bet it's just like you got to be kidding me. That's amazing. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously John Lennon too. Yeah. You know. So you you have a big Beatles influence. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's funny because it starts. You know, the the Beatles now. It's it, the, the songs are so ingrained. It's it's, it's like Christmas carols like everybody knows them yeah. and they're, they're just that great. But as a kid, um, you know unless Hard Day's Night was playing on the TV, it was the monkeys actually and, you know which they were obviously molded after that
2: yeah but uh, you know so
1: that was the first that would probably would have been the first band, even though to what extent they're um, involved. You know I mean obviously Mickey Dolans is really singing and David Jones is really singing and Michael Nesmith did right, and, you know, and Peter Tork. But it was just seeing a band, and it looks like so much fun, you know? It uh, You know, I still have yet to have an apartment like they did with a guy dressed up like a, a Jolly Green Giant. They, they had, like, friends like, from different <laughs> bands, you know, but it, it just seemed cool, and, you know, obviously the stuff was very... You
2: know, I always likened them to be the cross between the Beatles and the Three Stooges. That's
1: Yeah, actually, you know, it's funny, I think it was Mickey Dolenz who actually asked John Lennon, hey, so what do you, you know, because... I mean, any interviews I've ever seen with John Lennon, he'll take the piss out of anything and, and, and just walk circles around you with his command of the English language and wit. Right. And uh, so he was kind of afraid what the answer would be. He goes, no, I love it. It's like watching Groucho Marx. That's what he compared it to. <laughs> I love it. You know? Yeah. But, um, you know, so it's, you know, just, uh, so I have a question for you guys. Talk to right? us. Ready? Should the monkeys be in the Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame?
2: Should the monkeys be in the rock and roll hall of fame? Yeah. I am
0: going to say absolutely. Okay? And part of the reason is they molded a lot of the musicians today, maybe mm. yourself or oh, yeah. um you know, when you were kids, you l- looked at them and said, "Jesus, I want to be these guys." Yeah. I want to be the monkeys. And I then- want to
1: get the I want to get the the fro that Mick Dolan's had from s- the difference between season 1 and season 2, he had the straight hair in season yeah. 1. The fro in season two, and then yeah. then I think the, the next show was the Banana Splits. Is that correct? In the, uh, yeah,
0: chronologically yeah, on TV,
1: Channel fifty six, yeah, something right, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you had to turn the dial. And, um,
0: you right,
2: actually had right to get before up Creature Double Feature.
1: Creature you
0: double had, had to get up above. off the couch and change the channel.
1: Yeah, uh, y- speaking of Creature Double Feature, years ago uh, when I was I was at Berkeley and I was dating this girl from Japan, and uh, and you know everything's great and. But the, the the most impressive thing that I was just like, wow, I can't believe what a catch this was. Was I found out her father was an extra? Uh, he was one. He was just paid. You know, it was one day. He was in Rodan. He was one of the miners. I guess really? at the beginning when they discover Rodan, I'm like, your dad was in Rodan? Are you fucking kidding me? And- <laughs> Unbelievable. I it's unbelievable. jackpot, jackpot. <laughs> you didn't end up marrying her, though. No, I did not. All right. Yeah. So you, you'd think that was a, a slam dunk at that point. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, you let that one go. Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, don't you know, so, so the monkeys, and then obviously, you, you remember the, obviously, Partridge Family and yeah. any of those things that the songs were very, you know what I mean, especially for a little kid, uh, you know, probably, uh, you know, anything too heavy uh lyrically it might have been too much for a kid to handle at that point so right. stay with last strand clarksville and you know and stuff like that but it was just it was just cool it just seemed fun and you find and i would always be singing the songs later yeah, they songs. were fun
0: songs it was oh, still yeah. shenanigans behind the
1: scenes though yeah and then what you realize later on is shenanigans really are and with with bands you know you're friends with all these guys <laughs> right Allegedly. Yeah. Names your, have been changed. Yeah. Your Honor, I can neither confirm or deny. Just like I said <laughs> Something like that.
0: Something like that. Um, it, it's interesting. Before you came in, Mark and I were doing some research. We Googled your name. Uh-oh. And it came up that you were a two-year Pinewood Derby winner. Two years yeah. in a row.
1: Yeah. I've actually uh, tried to uh, kind of keep that story close to the vest because I've been waiting for the statute of limitations to...
0: Oh wait a second! Is there shenanigans that go along with this? It, it's us? not a shenanigans; it's a scandal. Oh
1: Jesus, it's a scandal!
0: Mark, do we allow scandals in this room?
1: Absolutely, we do okay. now. <laughs> All right, let's. What happened? Okay, so I, I uh, it, and it was actually my first bit of press ever in my life too, because the local newspaper came down and they wanted to interview me. They said, "Make sure you wear your your Cub Scout uniform to school." Yeah, you know, and I, so and there I was with my time with car and the trophy but the thing is i guess when you do the pinewood derby and then the next year you're supposed to build another car right yeah uh-oh and, i think i know where this is going yeah so this is like a rod uh you know the, the I, I have an asterisk next to the second one because I, all, all we do is just painted the car the same Wait, way. whoa 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 it whoa! one again dude come on yeah yeah so right now yeah. i hope whoever got second place who's li- if they're listening right now i'm sorry Right, because they probably you
0: stole no, the trophy.
1: No, I didn't steal it. I I just massaged the win. Right, massaged the win. Yeah, take mm-hmm. Technically, it was the car, right? Mark, yes. didn't we like,
0: you know, check these people out before they came on? Musicians and beyond. Yeah, what kind of vetting process
1: do you guys? Yeah. Oh, yeah, so apparently so stringent. Apparently mm-hmm. like, but, <laughs> but I was learning even then. You don't mess with something that you don't. Know, if something works, you go with it, right? That's, so, true. So that's true. That's so. true.
2: you mentioned seeing McCartney at Fenway. Yeah. You're a big Red Sox fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's your favorite Red Sox or Fenway memory?
1: Uh, Fenway memory?
2: Um, that's a tough one because you,
1: Yeah, it, Fenway memory. I mean, I was there uh, – I just remember that first Fenway memory of uh, my dad getting up and he was either going to get something to eat or to go in the bed, and, and my brother and I are sitting there and, you know, there's two guys in front of us smoking weed. And we're we're clearly just little kids, and they're just passing the roach over to us, going, "You want some?" And we're like, "What?" I, 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 that's my first family memory. Wow! You know, I couldn't tell you who won the game. We didn't we didn't t- do it. We just, but I was just like, these guys don't give a fuck, right? <laughs> this would be funny. This was <laughs> right. worth their probably. Hey, thinking. his dad's in the bathroom.
2: Yeah, yeah. Let's get him high.
1: Yeah. So, um, but as far as Red Sox stuff, and this goes into the Torrent thing, is uh, I don't know if you guys have ever interviewed. Uh, Bronson Arroyo. Okay, so after he got traded to Cincinnati, uh, for whatever, you know, I didn't it just so happened. he was a, a, a tantric fan. So, and I'm playing I'm in the band Tantric, and we're in Cincinnati. And uh, he wants to come to the show and hang out. And he wants to get up on stage and play with us. and and it was just funny because this is after four, obviously. And all I wanted to do when we were hanging out on the bus he a really nice guy all I wanted to do was talk Red Sox and all he wanted to do was talk music. So it was like (laughs) the complete opposite. And then he gets up and he sings, uh, you know, songs. Yeah, he's not half bad. No, no, he's good. He's definitely good. Yeah. And, uh, and, And we're walking off stage... And he's like, hey, uh, w- w- would it be okay to come back on the bus? I'm like, dude, you're on the fucking 04 Red Sox. You, you can have the bus if it's up to me. <laughs> you don't understand what that means. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was just got to ask him, you know, I mean, talking about Pedro, because he was tight with Pedro. And, and I was just, you know, Red Sox geeking out. And, and you know, but like I said, he just wants to talk music. So.
0: Yeah, he was rock star geeking out. Oh, yeah.
1: You know? Yeah. And so it, it's it funny because you, you're. It's, it's what you don't you know, do, Uh, he, he, he sings and plays better than my fastball. I'll tell you that. (laughs) So he can, he can, he can, he can blur the lines easier than I can. Awesome. You've mentioned your dad a couple
0: of times. Yeah. Was he one of your inspirations? I, he was a musician as well. He he was a musician.
1: He was a saxophone clarinet player. So what was, and he was a music teacher. So what was great, I still remember him explaining scales and he's writing them on a pizza box You know, at the the family, you know, kitchen table, and just explaining it, and and uh, what was great with him is not only, you know, the stuff he would teach me, but the fact that he wasn't a guitar player, that it really kept me in check because, you know, if, you know, if if you play guitar and you know I play guitar, you could say, hey Joe, check this out, right? And I'll know, oh Jesus Christ, that's really hard to do because I can I can see, you know, knowing guitar, I I know that that's really hard. He didn't hear it like that. He just hears it as music. So that's really hard to impress, you know what I mean? So I don't play the saxophone. So if somebody came in here, I'm I don't I don't know how hard the fingering is on on a particular passage that you're playing. I have no idea because I don't play it. I'm just going to hear it as music, and that's the way he would hear guitar. So that was great because it was really hard to impress him because he didn't give a shit. If it, yeah, but you don't understand. I'm doing this. I, I don't know. It doesn't. Sound good or no? <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas the, another guitar buddy be like, Oh yeah, man, I know how I this. That's that's tough. I've been working on that too or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. So is he one of the guys that got you into music? Like uh yeah. Yeah. Because uh, you know, I have a vague, vague memory of when he was when I was very, very young, him conducting a you know, a school orchestra and me just walking up on stage at his while he was trying to conduct. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and it was his first time I'm trying to go on stage. <laughs> You know what I mean? It wasn't like a Will Smith moment, right? I didn't yeah. go up to, like, the clarinet <laughs> player No, oh, I was just up there, and it just seemed cool. I just wanted to be there up in here. You know, because even later on when you go to you know, Symphony Hall and you hear an orchestra for real, you can have the best sound system in the world. It does, still does not compare to hearing it in a proper room. Yeah. Right? right, You know, right. And um so you know, hear it and see it and see people, you know, the, the, how is the, how are they making the sound? You know what I mean? And I just Yeah it's, it was, it's just a vibration, really. Yeah, it's it's just, just a vibration. vibration. But I, I just wanted to be closer to it and closer to him, yeah. you know, while he was kind of leading nice. the charge. So you had your father? You had the monkeys.
0: I had the monkey. What other inspirations did you have as a young kid? <laughs>
1: um well I mean, you know, from from there you then you get more into uh, you know, the first quote unquote rock record would have been monkey's greatest hits. You know what I mean? And uh, my grandmother gave me for my birthday. I still have it. Do, Do you still really actually have that vinyl? Wow. Yeah. And then you get into the Beatles stuff and then you start working your way into, you know, uh, Casey Kasem's top 10 countdown and you know what I mean? All of that stuff. And then, uh, then you, you know, next thing you know, getting into A. C. D. C. and discovering Aerosmith and, Van Halen and you know, all this stuff.
0: Did you ever think as a kid yeah. that you would be a musician for your career?
1: Um, I knew that n- nothing else interested me, you know? And I, and like I was saying earlier, I knew I didn't have the, the arm to pitch for the Red Sox. So that was, that was out. That wasn't on the table at any time. Uh, no, but it was the only thing that, that interests me. And, and the, you know, for better or worse, um, that's been a, a blessing and a curse because, you know, my mother used to joke when she'd see my report cut, I can tell this the, the subject she're interested in because <laughs> it it was there, there were there weren't a lot of B minuses C pluses. It was, you know, A's or um especially we need to talk about your son. You know what I mean? Because if i if I wasn't into it I just couldn't uh, apply myself. But if I was into it then it didn't matter. I would do whatever I yeah,
0: and you went to Berkeley, uh-huh. Berkeley College.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, nice. and that was great because
1: you, cause I grew up in Westboro, right? So you have you know a couple of kids from the town that are you know really good, and you know c- kids from other towns, the next town over, if you can ride your bike that far, right? Yeah, and uh, and but then when you get into Berkeley, you're surrounded by well, this is the best kid in his high school, or this is you know some crazy guy from you know, Minnesota and here's another one next dorm room over from Japan and another one. And it was a great, uh, I always said I learned just as much from the other students as I did from any class, because when you're, when you're not in class, the guy, the guy down the hall is just killing it on something and you you walk into his room and you want to see him play. And it also was great because it really drove home the point of people have their strengths. You know, it's, uh, in other words, th- there'd be a guy down the hall who could sight read anything. He could sight read anything, but if you ask him to just jam, it's you know it's not as great as the guy, the other guy down the hall who you know he's keeping up with his sight reading classes, but he's he's all feel and he's all art. And then you you have, I remember there was one guy who could who could transcribe anything, and I guess as a joke they they rolled a bottle down a, a flight of stairs and recorded it and rhythm that that the bottle made they said okay you transcribe this and you know he could do it you that's know?
0: pretty neat yeah yes
1: yeah, so some musicians are really yeah. amazing it's yeah really- but but, but the, the the other thing too is, is is uh it it also got me thinking because i'm like okay some people um their their calling might be as a writer you know not as the the guy player and then there might be another guy who maybe his songwriting isn't, it's is fine, but, it, but you give him something to play over and he'll just kill it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, he'll just, and um, you know, because so, I remember hearing stories of, uh, you know, when you have somebody like um, Izzy Stradlin from, from Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses, They yeah. said he was, he was one of the main writers. That's what I'd heard. But, and they would have to kind of decipher what he was, what he meant when he was showing them the ideas because he, you know, maybe Slash was more of the player. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but Izzy's the guy with these, you know, I mean, they, um, they all wrote, you know. So, right. And I wasn't there. So, But the the story that I heard was he was, you know, one of the writers. And, you know, you kind of work up his his ideas and then you hand it into, you know, the rest of the guys, mm-hmm. you know. And then even, um, I mean, he's a great player, but, you know, even the ACDC stuff, you know, Angus always got all the credit, but it was Malcolm, the guy in the engine room in the back, just pushing that whole thing along. And he was the guy who made, you know, was making the final calls in the studio of just this, you know, and Angus would even say, he goes, you know, when I would be done recording a solo, I'd ask Malcolm, is this good enough? And Malcolm's work, you know, and so Malcolm didn't have to be the the solo guy. He could be the guy just writing these great riffs with Angus and, you know, Bon Scott or Brian Johnson, but, and, and, uh, you know, so everybody has their, their thing. And then, then you see a band like, um, the Who, where Pete's the main writer, right? But you're you're handing these vocals to Roger Daltrey, and he's just killing it, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean, or, or cheap <coughs> trick with Rick Nielsen, right? And but you've got this golden throated guy, you know, Brad Delft, Same thing. Tom Schultz is writing a, a big chunk of that stuff, yeah. right? So I mean, everybody contributes, obviously, and everybody's creative, but everybody also has a, where they shine the most, yeah. you know. And then you get a band, you know, like Queen who's just. Uh, unstoppable because everybody's writing. writing yourself yeah i i i love to i love to write with a, a, a proper singer a great singer you know so i always you know even when we're doing like recording the hurt smile stuff and, and i love you know working with a guy like gary i can live vicariously through his abilities because anything i'm hearing you know he comes obviously he comes in with all these great ideas yeah but but if i'm hearing something you know i'm like oh cool i got a guy who can do it you know what i mean he is and, so humble yeah, he's very he,
0: he's incredibly talented. I, I oh, don't yeah. even
1: think he knows how talented he is. He's Yeah, no, he's, really he's, just he, he's great. He's great. And the thing that's funny is is that usually the recording sessions my favorite thing to record hands down is when you're working with a guy like that, is working out vocal harmonies. Because he'll be in the booth and I'll I'll be in the control and you know, with an acoustic guitar or something, I'll say, Hey, let's try this or Carrie's okay. like, Hey, let's try that or and just working out and then just listening back to it my favorite thing is just mute everything else just listen to the vocal harmonies it's my favorite thing to do more than any guitar thing or anything like that no kidding yeah well. oh yeah but, but when you know when you have a guy like you know i mean i've been lucky to, to work with some singers and, yeah. and that's not lost on me i mean pat's such a great singer you know and, you know and because um, i get to work on uh some of his solo stuff too you heard the you know it's great. You know, I love Nuno's voice. You know, Millie from Steelheart's obviously a great, great singer. Um, you know, even with Tantric, you know, Hugo's got his thing. You know, it's really unique. That's really cool. So that's still my favorite thing, you know, when you're working with singers. Because yeah. that's, you know, at the end of the day, for, that's what you, you remember when you hear a song. You know, don't hear, hey, check out that chord voice. I mean, it, you know, the, the musician side of you will, but the, the commoner side of you would just be like, I'm just hearing it as a song. And I was. that was another thing. As I was always drawn to bands and songs more than the a particular, you know, Van Halen was this great thing because it was like, yeah, Eddie's solo was unbelievable. Loved it. But it's still only, you know, it was a very short solo and it was still in the confines of, wow, what a great song. Even if the solo was taken out, I'm still listening yeah. to that song again. Yeah. You know, as opposed to, Oh, Jesus Christ! When we get into the guitar solo, something's to, something cool has to happen at some point. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I, and that's probably all comes back to you know, hearing the monkeys for the first time. I'm just hearing the songs, right? Know? And I've actually, um, I've been reluctant to 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 want to learn those songs because it'll take some of the magic away from me. I because I still hear them as a seven year old, right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I do. So I I, I don't want to. I don't want to open up. I don't want to pull the veil back and see what's happening. You don't want to see the man behind the curtain? No. All
2: not. right, so, Joe, you, you went back to seven years old, and you talked about that for a moment, but who was the first band you played as a kid growing up in Westboro? Yeah. Did you have a band that you played in high school with or before?
1: Yeah, yeah, but it, nothing, you know, it was all just local friends. Yeah. And, and, and
2: Playing in your basement? Or playing
1: or? in the basement. First gig was uh, at, at a high, my sister's high school. She's older than me, so. High school graduate we got paid in beer. You know, we're only you know, we're I take
2: that out. all day long. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? And and but you're still kind of just you, you haven't even you're not even anywhere near even getting your sea legs together. You're just Oh Jesus, we're playing in front of people. <laughs> you know what I mean? What was it
2: like the first time going up on stage for a gig like that in front of your, your sisters' friends and Oh yeah in, in your, your right. high school. Yeah.
1: Um it's it's nerve wracking, but you uh you know, like I said, I always looked at it as well. This is what everybody else had to do too. Right. All the people that I looked up to, absolutely. So you you have to do it, and and you, you know you hope that uh, you know when you show, uh, you know, head back to school on Monday morning, you you're not getting tired and feathered. It's that it's okay. Yeah, you know what <laughs> I mean. So it's just it's just stuff like that. It was it wasn't anything, um, you know, because you just kind of you're just learning, and then some of it you, you're playing in bands and and um but you maybe you're learning just more about hey you know working on original songs and how that works and you know there was no there's no blueprint cuz even though you know even a place like Berklee's songwriting you know but that's still I've always thought of that stuff as it's it's kind of reverse engineering stuff you still have to have a creative spirit to to do it and and also you're learning how to um uh the give and take of all right, I'm not hearing what you're saying right now. I'm not, I'm not vibing on it. But we, we should, we should flush it out. We should do it. When you're a kid, you're like, no, this has got to be the way because that's the only way I can hear it in my head right now. And a lot of those formative years is just learning how to work with other people. Yeah. You know, and, and you want to talk about, you know, uh, you know, people have all their insecurities, and and you know, little do you know, if somebody wants to just play this song because the girl that they sit next to in math class really likes it, and. You know what I mean? Or whatever. That's actually yeah. a pretty damn good reason. <laughs> it's fantastic. And and then you, then you realize later on, you're like, uh, just the level of arrested development that everybody's, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Everyone's in the same boat. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. So it, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. So you have learned you, a lot over the years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But and, the, the, the main thing was, is uh, even now, just trying to be aware, aware of you know, present in the moment of, of just seeing what, what is happening. And then, you know, after you do it long enough, you you can kind of see, you know, I always joke, you know, because if I see a situation that, you know, if I was 20, I'd be like, Jesus, what's what's going on? And now you see how it's all going to play out, and you're like, and it's like watching, you're like you're going to Rocky 20. <laughs> Let me guess. He's going to lose the first fight, and then he's going to be out in the snow, and he's going to be, you know, you know, hauling logs around, and then there's going to be a bunch of kids chasing him. To, to cheer him on, and then he's got to come back. Do you think he'll win?
2: That's a great analogy.
1: <laughs> so if a kid
0: came up to you and said, Joe, yeah. I'm really interested in music, yep. I want to be a musician, yep. can you give me some advice? What What would you tell them?
1: Um, I, I would say you, you, you definitely have to make sure you're going to be willing. Uh, you, you're going to have to have a thick skin, and you're going to have to be willing to accept the fact that things aren't going to be easy. Because especially when you're first starting out, you're not gonna money, you know? And can your ego handle the fact that there might only be 10 people? The next one could be 100, the next one could be 1,000, you don't know, but can your ego handle that? And um, are you willing to be uncomfortable? Because say, for example, your your, your gig is seven hours away. It's, it's worth doing, but you gotta get in the car and uh, everybody scrunched up. And, and you got to unload your own gear and you got to, you know, not have a five-star hotel. You, you know what I mean? You, yeah. you have to, you have to really slug it out. And, and some people that, you know, or, or the fact that you might be living paycheck to paycheck, do you know what I mean? Like how am I paying for it? My buddy got a conventional job and he's doing fine. Is that more appealing? And, and you'll see people fall off. You see p- people fall off all the time. And there, I mean, there were guys, you know, when I, was, when I was young, really talented guys, but they just didn't have, um, it wasn't focus. It was just, you know, just the mental toughness. Yeah. They're great musicians, but they just like, no, nah, it's too hard. I'd rather just get the straight up job and and I'll play for fun, which is fine. I mean, it's music's supposed to be enjoyed, but you know, do I want to sacrifice all of these other things?
0: You know? You've, you've mentioned Gary Sharon yep. a couple of times, obviously lead singer of extreme. Yep uh hurt smile yep. uh was a lead singer of van halen for a while mm-hmm. you're very close to him you do, do a lot of things with him uh he's going out in the road with joe perry yeah from
1: aerosmith pretty soon yeah right. yeah no, i right. i think he leaves today i just he, he leaves spoke, today. To, I spoke to him yesterday excellent he had the excellent. greatest line about joe perry because he hey how are the rehearsal's going he goes listen let me tell you something about joe perry and he texted he said he walks into the room looking cool he leaves the room looking like a legend and I'm just like, all right, that, that sounds like Joe Perry to me. I can believe that. That's, right? yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah. uh, so you have a pretty good story about the song Quake. Yeah, is, uh, because uh, Paul Gary, you know, the original drummer for Extreme Manages, Perry, right? Yep. To my knowledge. And um, had uh, gotten Gary an a, um, a, uh, a instrumental demo that, that Joe had done. And, and said, hey, check it out. And, and so Gary calls me up and he says, hey, I, you know, I've been singing over this thing. I got this idea. Can I come over yet? You know, because I have a humble studio set up. And uh, can, I want to put down some vocals. And, and so he came over and then he was singing, you know, sang. We tracked it and just messed around with some ideas. And, uh, I mean, it's Gary. It's Gary's, you know, those were his ideas. And I just kind of helped, you know, um throwing it through in two cents every now and then, but it's all Gary, you know, that song. And, um, but we, because we have a working relationship, he can, feels comfortable bouncing. Hey, what do you think of this? It's still, you think, what do you think of my idea one versus my idea two? It's it's, still his idea. Yeah, but, and then, you know, you try to, you know, from an engineer's standpoint, just do a good accordion for him. And then uh, I guess he sent it back and then Perry heard it and Perry, I guess, loved it. And uh, so they wanted to use it uh, he went to put it on, he went to use that recording. So um, they needed the, the wave files. They needed the, the vocal. And uh, so it ended up being that um, I'm on the phone with Jack Douglas, <laughs> who did, you know, rocks and, and yeah. toys in the attic. And when she's like, okay, well, I'll send you the files. And and I was just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. This fucking Jack, you know, double fantasy and, you know, it, that, that was fun. And, again, for a kid from Westboro, that's not supposed to happen. I'm supposed to be at the grand annual opening of Dairy Queen, you know, every year. The one Dairy Queen in the center of yeah. town.
0: Yeah. What's your favorite go-to at Dairy Queen?
1: Blizzard. Uh, the Blizzard. With the pe- uh, chocolate, with the peanut butter cup. Chips. Yeah. Yeah, that's good living uh-huh. right there. And I,
0: don't <laughs> underestimate the, the cherry dip vanilla. Cherry dip vanilla? Yeah, it's tremendous. That
1: sounds... Okay. Yeah, yeah I was... Yeah. You never had that? No. That sounds Honestly, so that's vanilla. A staple. That's a staple. You get a cherry dip vanilla. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It comes out with the hard shell and everything. It's it's incredible. Okay. I'll try. I'll give it, it a try. Westboro, okay. Massachusetts. Westboro, Massachusetts. It's in the center of town. Yeah. I, cool. I, I go as far back as that's where the little league team would go for after games. Excellent. And and, Excellent. and if we and if you won, the coach if, would buy the ice cream. Oh no no! If if you won, we got to put toppings. That was like. That, that was the. the and the, what happens if you lost? We still got to go, but no toppings. And then one time, I still <laughs> ordered toppings anyway, and I felt really bad, like I completely deceived my coach because oh, shit, we didn't win, but I got the sprinkles. Fuck.
2: Right? <laughs> awesome,
0: really, awesome. Just you're, just,
1: you're, just like the Pinewood Derby, I'm just greasing I, the system.
2: I was just about to go back to that, but yeah. <laughs> what did you get after winning the the uh, two
1: Pinewood Derbies? Uh, we I got trophies. I got trophies, and somewhere they're they're around somewhere. No toppings, just trophies. Yeah, D- just trophies. But uh, I had karma come back because I, then I went to the state finals, <laughs> and in the very first race, the wheel came off. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's what cool.
0: happens. You've referred to your hometown quite a few times. Yeah, you were a paper boy is paper bro- a little boy, uh, and that's what helped purchase your first guitar ever.
1: Yeah, first electric guitar was. Uh, I had a paper route and it was like only like three different streets, like 12 houses, that's about it. Yeah. And uh, I, I bought an amp and a guitar combined for 80 bucks. And it was an SG copy as a K SG copy, cherry red, because it looked like Angus's. And I was, I was over the moon. Yeah. The, you, know. you still have it in your collection? No. No. That's, that's, that's my. If, if, as far as letting go of a piece of gear, that would definitely be one that I would love to have back. You know, but it's funny. Speaking of <laughs> letting go and how things, Eddie Van Halen had this, these guitars, uh, these Music Man guitars in the early '90s, and I had saved up. I wanted to get a purple one, and I couldn't afford it, so I put half of it on my credit card, which is it was my first introduction at uh, watching out for how debt can get out of out of hand, right? <laughs> but I, I was like, "Fuck it, I still want the guitar," so I saved up that and 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 I got it, and. Um, had it, and I loved it, but I was still, uh, you know, when, you, when you're at that stage, you're just kind of getting going. You don't have a, you, you always have to move gear to get some other gear. Right? And, and I sold that guitar to a buddy of mine, and I learned a very important lesson. I said, listen, I'm going to sell it to you. I'll give you a good deal. I said, but if you ever sell it, you got to give me first dibs. Sell it for whatever you want, but give me first dibs to buy it back. He said, no problem. And then after that, uh, Eddie Van Halen left that company. They stopped making that particular guitar like that. And so I couldn't buy another one. And I saw my friend a few years later. I go, hey, you still got that guitar? Oh, no, man, I sold it. I'm like, really? <laughs> That's funny. My number hasn't changed since all this time. Son of a bitch. Right? And uh, and I, so I was so bummed out. And then some years after that, playing with Tantric, I get an endorsement from that company. And they're sending me guitars. And, okay, great, but they, they're still not making that purple one. And I, I, I called them up and I gave them a sob story and I told them that whole thing. And they go, We'll make you purple. So it was full circle that wow. I, was the, I was the guy. I who, love that. I, I was the guy who couldn't afford it. And I, I just had to get into a little bit of debt. That's pretty cool. Right. But I really wanted it. And then, you know, sidestep a couple of important life lessons with friends. Right. <laughs> and then you get to a point where the company is, you're actually working with the company and they'll actually just build you one. It, and it was funny. You go, yeah, you know, John Mayer just called, too, and we're building one for him, same color, everything, too. That's funny. So do
2: you still have the purple? Yeah, yeah. If you decide to sell it, let me know. Give me, <laughs> yeah, give right. me first dibs on it. Yeah,
1: yeah. No problem. Oh, I trust you. <laughs> right. Yeah,
0: that's your first problem right
1: there. Yeah. You know, because we all grew up with the um, all the stories, the, the you know, the Van Halen stories, right? You remember the, the, the uh, Brown m M&M? Brown Eminem story? Remember that?
0: Yeah, the one he made them take brown
1: M&M's out of the... yeah. So, no, no, they they had to take, they had to have uh, M&M's, a bowl of M&M's in the backstage every show, but all the brown ones had to be taken out, right? That was was the Van, it was in the Van Halen Rider. And years later, you found out why they did that. Because they wanted to make sure, because they had all these safety things within the rider, and they wanted to make sure people were really following the rider to a T. But for urban legend, it was just what a bunch of, you know, okay, I guess they don't like Brad Hammond. You know, right. you thought it was the coolest, most arrogant. I rock. thought it was an arrogant yeah. thing myself. Yeah. I, yeah. I was pretty, like, oh, they're pretty just pretty doing cool it just to bust balls.
2: That's a pretty cool uh, QC
1: check, right? I yeah. <laughs> so the most rock thing that ever happened to me was, um, uh, with Tantric when we got to put together a rider. And so we had all this crazy, you know what I mean? They, they had, they had uh, you know, pirates, peg leg pirates had to be the loaders and, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> but that never happened. But, but one of the things I put in is I said, I want all the brown M&Ms that were taken out of Van Halen's rider, and I want them in a bowl. And I want to you know, just, you know. And, just you know, the fuck yeah, yeah, this is like four in the morning. Yeah, I'll add that, sure. If no So we're in the middle of somewhere, like Indiana or something like that, and we get to the venue, and the, the, the owner comes out, and he goes, who's the Van Halen fan? I'm like, what, uh, me? And I put my hand up, and he goes, I had the girls up all, you know, late last night, buying bags M and M's, taking all the brown ones out and putting them in bowls for you. <laughs> and so I had these bowls of just brown M and M's. He followed the ride, but I'm just like, you know, in uh, my uh, little kid paper route buying the Angus. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, wow, I, 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 I somehow in- integrated the Van Halen rider into a band I'm playing with. Nowhere near that level, but for me, it was it was just a funny, like this is so ridiculous, right? You know, fun,
2: fun. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that was <laughs> ridiculous. You know, and, and,
1: and if I if I were to tell my mom that story, she'd be like, she's still waiting for it to go somewhere. And you're like, no, Mama, you don't understand. <laughs> I right. made it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you made it when they they'll take pull brown. All the brown- and- <laughs> yes, yes, you're really
0: on top of the world. No, yeah. you've done fantastic work. You've inspired so many people over the years. Your teaching, your music, your everything—you've done uh, tremendous stuff. Is there—is there anyone that you were kind of starstruck by when you met? Because
1: you've met a lot of people. Uh, Brian May, right? I and can see why. Yeah, well, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's the guy. He's, he's a Mount Rushmore guy, right? But the the the, uh, the Brian May thing is, is that I, I got to meet him properly later, but the first time I ever got to speak to him. It was the days of answering machines, right? So, you know, someone calls and you hear the answering machine pick up. And uh, I'm, I'm here in Massachusetts, and it's like 2, 2.30 in the morning, and the phone rings. And, and Nuno was out in L.A. hanging out with Brian May. And he knew, you know, we had talked to Queen millions of times, and he knew what a big fan I was. And I just say the answering machine go off. And I just hear Nuno's voice going, Joe, you there? Pick up, pick up. It's an emergency, pick up. And I know he's in LA. And I'm like, man, if he's like broken down on the 405, I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't help you. I can't. mean, you want to use my tr- AAA card numbers, right? I can't, <laughs> yeah, I can't. what the hell's he need? Yeah, what's what's happening? And so I'm, you know, I, that woke me up. And I, I'm, I, you know what I mean? If someone says, hey, it's an emergency, pick up. So I pick up and uh, I just hear this, uh, oh, hello, Joe, this is Brian May. And I recognize the voice. I'm like, you've got to be. Kidding me. <laughs> wow. He put Brian on the phone with me and I was just like, you know, that's so legendary. It's, it's legendary. I, 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 wish I had a bit more of a cerebral conversation with him cause I'm just, you know, you're part, you're part overwhelmed. You, you're
0: In half asleep and half
1: asleep. And I just didn't you know how to go dude. I, a warning would have been awesome, but I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. You know? So that's that true. was, but yeah. And then when I did meet him for real, it was, it was still the same thing. It was I mean the guy is, you know, just on another level. Yeah. You know? But again, this is all stuff that again, the the corn Pipe rocking chair use. That you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm gonna start every story, even though I wasn't alive in nineteen twenty two, I'm gonna start every story like that. You know, did I ever tell you back in nineteen twenty two when <laughs> Brian May they'll be like does anybody wanna tell me he, no, he was alive dude's hundred and fifty years old. Does anybody wanna tell me if was not alive <laughs> in Nah. Don't distract him, let's just hear the story.
0: Right? Put him back in bed. Yeah, put him back in bed. Put him back in bed. Ah, cool. Um, Yeah. Again, we want to thank you for coming in to uh, Musicians and Beyond. Yeah. I do want to touch on one quick thing. And uh, on behalf of Musicians and Beyond, we want to send our condolences to your family on the recent passing of your brother due to uh, COVID. And I know it's uh, very fresh and, and very painful. And uh, you know, well, we're, we're sending thoughts and prayers and, and there's a fundraiser coming up yeah. that maybe you could tell us a little bit about if you would.
1: Well, the, the first thing I would say with everything I've just said today um, in regards to everything I said today was none of that happens without my brother, without my brother. And because we started together, um, he was playing drums. I was playing guitar and, uh, you know, we wanted to be the Van Halen brothers and, you know, we wanted to. Uh, you know, and lucky for me because he played drums, so everybody had to come over our house, right? So for me being a guitar player, it made it easier. But none of that happens without him because he was he was the guy who introduced me to, um, you know, because I'd be in, you know in my bedroom playing and, and doing my thing, and he's the guy introducing me to all this stuff. And even even before I was playing, he you know I remember kids singing um, uh, "We Will Rock You" on the school bus. It came up and it was my brother's like no no that's queen that's this and i'm like okay and then he's he's the one introducing me to all of these bands you know we're only 15 months apart so he's he but he had a more of an ear to the ground than i i was kind of insulated in my own little world right. and um you know uh so and and the thing is is that you know he would always be the sounding board for me because if if he didn't think it was cool it wasn't cool you know and i would i would you know, rely on what he thought, and um, you know. So, first gig ever that, that that I ever did was with him playing drums. So, it, whatever journey I've ever been on, it started in the basement in West Bar with him. First gig started with him, and um, the, you know, in you know, as as you know, I go off to Berkeley and stuff like that. He 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 still played. He always played still. But he took a more traditional approach to, to life. You know what I mean? Wanted the stability and wanted a, you know, a family. And he's got a, you know um, two beautiful daughters and a wife. And, and, um, and he, he had, he, everything was the most enviable that anybody could have because he just had everything. He just had his shit together on everything. And he was always helping people and everything like that. And, uh, but still, always the brother so and I, I could come back. Hey, yeah, we just did. You know, you know, you know, played with Yes and Judas Priest. Uh, that's cool. Anyway, you know, <laughs> that's all I'll get. That's all I get. Because he, he's, but I'll hear from his friends or or the rest of the family. Go. Oh yeah, he was going on about it. He was right. going on about it, and it it keeps it kept you very grounded. Yeah, it you know sound I mean? it
0: sounds like he was one of your biggest fans, in that you were one of his
1: biggest fans. Oh yeah. Absolutely, because the thing is, 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 um, even you know, even as adults, you know, we would, um, you know, ex- every spring exchange uh, lawn pictures. You know, hey, how's it? You know, and he would see my lawn and be like, "Yeah, but what's this bullshit up there <laughs> next to that tree over there?" I'm like, "Ah, it's a spot I got to get to." And uh, sibling yeah. rivalry. Yeah. Oh, well, he, he. It was only one year that I had the better lawn, and that's only because he moved into a new house and he didn't have enough time to. to you know, but but any time I had a problem with a car, with with a household appliance, with anything, I'd be like, "Hey, man, so how do you fix that?" Okay, so this, this is what you do. And he would research it if he didn't have a full answer. And he'd come back and he'd have the answer. He's just that guy, and he was like that to everybody. But the um, but we were grown up inseparable. Wow. Separate. Yeah,
0: I, I have never had the pleasure of meeting your brother, yeah. but I have heard nothing but tremendous words about him. Again, it's a, it's a tragedy. And, you know, if we can help you raise funds, maybe we can tell people uh, a website that they could go
1: to to uh, make a donation. Yeah, well, so so what it's going to be is it's going to be on uh, Sunday, July 17th, the North Attleboro Elks, 12 to five. And uh it's a it's also a car show because he was a big car g- He actually worked on my Corvette for me, you know what I mean? And and you know, he was the guy who and we had a little rivalry about that because he was the the grand national guy and I had the Corvette and he's like the shit boxes, blah blah blah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but he but but at the same time he would uh he would always work on it. You know what I mean? Anything that um that needed to be done. And so uh what I did was um for this is uh you know the again, he always got a kick out of the stuff that I've been fortunate enough to do and so what I want to do is reach out to you know friends and um, and you know because there's there's gonna be a raffle and donation you know people can donate and you know what I mean so there's there's um uh, you know some some stuff from uh, you know whether it be the people or people who work with them and you know a lot of friends really stepped up so this stuff. From you know Joey Kramer from Aerosmith and Skid Row, um, Extreme obviously the Steelheart stuff, some Tandrick stuff, um, uh, even even people that I've I've met you know uh, like one of the guys who works he's one of the financial guys for the Red Sox he's like hey I'll donate four home game tickets great seats and you know what I mean just little things that if if that's the um, incentive. You know what I mean? For people to, to donate and help the, the family because they, you know, not, nobody was expecting this. Yeah. And um, so it, it's a lot. Uh, and then there'll be a, a the band Platinum Thrill, which is actually um, my sister in law's brother. So technically, my brother in law, he's the drummer. It's a great cover band, and they'll be playing all day. Um, so a $10 entry fee, classic and luxury cars, um, the, the, the raffle. Uh, kids enter for free, you know, and then it's just, you know, it would be fun for the kids and families too because of, you know, face painting and, you know what I mean, crafts and, you know, it's just. It's it's a nice
0: family day, and it's for a fantastic cause for a um, very unfortunate situation.
1: Yeah, and so the the whole thing behind it is just to give the family, um, you know, to help the family out, you know, because, again, it wasn't – it wasn't anything anybody expected. So we got to try to help them.
2: Well, anything we can do. And uh, if you're listening right now and you want to help out the family and help out the show uh, that's coming up um, July 17th, North Attleboro Elks at noon.
1: Yeah. And if anybody wants to look, it's uh MPMF org. Okay. For more, for more details. Okay. And um, it's, it's anything, anything anybody can do. I, I, really really appreciate really do absolutely absolutely
0: uh again you're listening to musicians and beyond today we had a very special guest joe Pessia. his stories could go on and on he could write a book and i know he's super busy and again we appreciate him coming in and uh, joe we just want to thank you again for That's taking it. your time and giving us the insight the Funny stories,
1: the serious
0: stories and uh, the inspiration behind, you know, the road that you travel.
1: Uh, thank you. And I know you guys have mentioned um, the, the the fundraiser um, multiple times on different episodes. And I really appreciate that. I yeah. really do. We're, We're going to
2: continue on. And, and for those listening uh, out there in the world, go to that website that Joe mentioned. And there's apparel on there. There's going to be auction items. The car show is going to be fantastic. Yeah. So make sure you get there. And when I tell you there are some ooh, items about to be uh, auctioned off or sold off at the uh, for, th- for this charity, you won't believe what he has lined up for, for everyone to to be able to pick up and be a part of. So yeah. come out and support July 17th, North Attleboro Elks. Support the Pescia family.
0: Again, thank you for listening to Musicians and Beyond. Today's guest was Joe Pescia. Joe, thank you for being our friend.
1: Hey, thank you. And I thought we would just, this uh, goes out to Pat, because Pat listens, right? I thought I we was know. just gonna trash pad for an hour We could do that oh <laughs> another hour <laughs> All right. Thanks man.